still can't get over the vinegar on those nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and there's our intro. <laughs> right. <laughs> another episode of too much time on our hands for theatrical cuts we're back talking about rom-coms i'm sonia and sat opposite me with the face for radio is terry hello hi terry welcome back <clears throat> right we've got rid of the cat not you know <laughs> we haven't off the cat <laughs> we haven't off to the cat um he's just been put into another room because um it turns out he's the, the noisiest cat known to man. He thinks he's a star. Um, yeah. Um, if it's noisy, <laughs> he wants to play with it. If it's a cable, he wants to chew it. If it's a box on a sideboard, he wants to push it off. Um, and at one point, I think he was chasing a fork around. So uh, yeah, he was. Fucker. Um, any sort of like um, bangs or anything that you heard in the last episode was my cat Vince jumping up. Headbutting the microphones yeah. or jumping at me, scratching his body on the microphone stands. I mean, at one point, he was licking himself whilst maintaining eye contact with me. <laughs> it's really awkward when he does that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, he's so his mother's son. Anyway, I'd like to point out that Sonia's never licked herself <laughs> while maintaining eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> I have to look away. <laughs> anyway. It's just a setup of mirrors. <coughs> oh, like a periscope. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, lovely stuff. <laughs> Which leads us nicely into romantic comedies. The highest grossing. I wonder if no. there's any licking involved. <laughs> Vince's catnip, right? <laughs> <coughs> He's pissed under the table and the fumes are getting to us. <coughs> right. Enough, focus. So, what we're going to do now is we're going to look at the top 15 grossing um, rom coms. We're going to look at top 10, but actually, we quite like 11 to 15. So, of the top 15 grossing uh, rom coms, Terry and I, between the two of us, have seen 14 of them, um, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, and there were a couple that we hadn't seen and we decided to watch. Um, one of them Terry outright refused to watch, so I took I took the hit for the team. But we'll talk about that when we get to that. And film. there was one I refused to watch or finish watching. As oh well. yeah, there was there was two that I had to take for the team. Um, I actually don't know the order of these, and I can't remember what, what number one is. The only one I know is number eleven, um, <laughs> which it sounds random, but when we get to it, you'll understand why that one's stuck in my head. Um, now there's some I I think personally I think some of these films are the reason why rom-coms get a bad name yes I was I was shocked by the inclusion of some of these films and I was shocked that that some of our favourite films 
weren't in there. I want to mm. know why Love Actually isn't on that fucking list. But anyway. I feel like that's a film that's picked up a life on DVD. I don't feel like it was a big... Because yeah. it was seen as a Christmas... I thought it came out at Christmas, didn't it? So it maybe... Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so we're going to start on number 15, work our way up to uh, the exciting um, number one spot. Um so Terry, what's at number fifteen? Number fifteen with a box office take of hundred and twenty seven million dollars is Sweet Home Alabama. Crikey. Which stars Reese Witherspoon. Tell us about it then. Uh so this is one I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. This is one of my wife's favourites. She really likes this film. So Reese Witherspoon, she is a wedding planner? No, she's getting married. She's she grew up out in like the sticks or whatever. I think in obviously southern because that's her accent, um, and she's moved to the city. And as part of getting married, she's moved. She's gone home to like see her family, etc. And she meets. I can't. I think it's Josh Lucas is playing the character, like her ex boyfriend, like school sweetheart, and essentially falls back in love with him. Is essentially the film. But there's, like you said with your description on the previous pod about there's usually there is a couple, someone takes an interest in part of that couple. So you've got Reese Witherspoon and her husband and Josh Lucas is the one who's deciding, where, like, making that choice. But slightly different with this one because obviously they've been there before and there's very much within the town, everyone thought they'd always end up together. But she felt it's very much that fear of she just needed to get out of the town. She thought the town was going nowhere, thought she was bigger than the town. Um I can't remember much more about it other than that. It's not. It's one that I'm able to watch. I don't necessarily get enjoyment out of it, but it's one that I could be in a room watching whilst Gemma is watching quite happily. Yeah. Um, it was over two hours long, which is one of the reasons why I didn't get round to watching it. Um, Another long one. Yeah, it's just absolutely ludicrous how long these films are. Um, so yeah, so that's number 15. Anything oh. to add? I've not seen it. Oh. Yeah, as I say, I'd, I wouldn't not recommend it to it. If you enjoy a rom-com... I quite like Reese like yeah. Witherspoon. Yeah, I'd say she's perfectly decent in it, but not for me. So, number 14, with 128 million. So, this is a bit of a throwback. I think this is potentially the oldest film on here. It's coming to America. Okay, so, yeah, this is <clears> one that Terry desperately wanted to watch. Yeah, so when I saw this list, I was like, oh, I get a chance to rewatch Coming to America, because I had very fond memories of watching it. I didn't not have watching it wasn't bad but it wasn't as funny as I remembered it being I remembered it being quite sort of hysterical whereas it's amusing obviously it's the reading up on it it's the first film where Eddie Murphy played multiple characters in a film Okay. so obviously that's something that he's just known for now but in this film he plays a vicar he plays a hairdresser he plays a Jewish man that hangs around at the hairdressers he plays lots of other people through prosthetics but it's essentially him. He is an African prince, not the Black Panther. Um, who the film starts with him being betro- being betrothed a woman, <laughs> um, and like he's treated as a prince would be like rose petals are thrown wherever he walks, inside, outside, at home. He's woken up. He's bathed. He doesn't have to bathe himself, and he's just like a bit sort of sick of it. He and he convinces his dad to let him go and. His dad thinks he's just going to sow his wild oats before he comes back to marry this woman that's been chosen for him, but he's actually going out there to try and find a woman for himself. Sow his wild oats? That means sleep around? Yes. Hmm. That's a sort of old 
an old-fashioned term for it yeah so he moves he goes to america to try and find a woman that he loves rather than someone that is essentially told to love him because he's the prince mm. he takes his um trusted butler semi um yeah i don't know funny name um and semi's obviously used to the high life as well and he wants to go to the hilton but eddie murphy is very much i want to live like a poor man i want someone to fall in love with me i don't want people to fall in love with the money and the fact that i'm a prince so he rents like a dog shit motel room there's rats in it it's dog shit they go and work at mcdowell's which in the film it's actually a piss take that it's a rip off of mcdonald's i think they tried to get mcdonald's and mcdonald's didn't want to be involved or something because there's actually one bit where he's reading a McDonald's manual in in his office and someone walks in on him and they're literally just mopping the floors. He takes a fancying to Mr. McDowell's daughter and that's where the relationship, where the romance comes from in the film. Eric LaSalle from ER is like the guy who's going out with her at the time. He's got a lovely sort of Michael Jackson-esque sort of loose afro, sort of greasy looking, the, the sort of pencil moustache. Um, very stylized in the 80s so there's some good bits in it the romance is sort of it almost feels like a comedy film that's had romance forced into it rather than like a romantic comedy Um, but yeah perfectly decent enjoyable not as good as I was hoping it was going to be I was really surprised to see this on the list I had no idea it was considered a rom-com I would have had it put down as a comedy yeah the next film I wouldn't really call a rom-com either but yeah I mean the thing that surprised me with it being on this list was just how old it is and that sort of money in that time I mean I don't know if this is an adjusted for inflation list so potentially that's why but then I guess back in those days Eddie Murphy was a big draw Uh, because it's directed by John Landis as well who's obviously I don't enjoy uh, old Eddie Murphy films I don't find him funny I mean I I like some of them I don't think he's hilarious but like Beverly Hills Cop I enjoy do nothing for me no no. Okay, so that's number 14. So the number 13. I like the Nutty Professor. Yeah, that's good. That's all right. I like those characters. <clears throat> um, so number 13, again, I wouldn't call this a rom-com. It's Silver Linings Playbook. Interestingly, though, someone did recommend that as a rom-com. Yeah. I mean, mm. it's definitely got the romance, but for me, it's a drama. I don't... It's got an odd laugh. It's not like a comedy. Maybe it's a romantic black comedy. I mean, potentially. So this is the film, obviously, that Jennifer Lawrence won her Oscar for, um, opposite Bradley Cooper, where they both basically play people that are having a hard time. He's Has he had a divorce and he's, like, having a bit of a breakdown? I haven't and seen this for a long time. I've only seen it the once. Mm. Robert De Niro's in it, I recall. Um, but essentially, yeah, he's 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 having a bad time, she's having a bad time, and they sort of... They enter a dancing competition... Is that right? And they sort of get together or sort of get through what they're both going through via this dance competition. Um, it's got Chris Tucker in it as well, if I recall, in like a very random role. Um, but yeah, I just... I don't think it was bad, but it just didn't jump out on me as a romantic comedy. That took $132 million at the box office. Classed as a comedy drama romance on IMDb, seven point seven on IMDb as well. Yeah, I know it's highly rated to say because I think yeah, when she Chris won Tucker's the Oscar, I think the Nero was Oscar nominated. I think Cooper Julia was. Julia Stiles is in it. Yeah, 
I just don't remember being blown away by it. It was just, it was okay. Yeah. Someone called Bree B in it. That's quite the name. What's next? Uh, so next up <laughs> is the film that neither of us have seen. So on 132,700,000, million point seven, so 700,000 more than Silver Lion Cloak, is bringing down the house. And that's got, is that <clears throat> Queen Latifah and, and Steve Martin? Steve Martin. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I know about it. I know nothing else. Um, yeah, not a clue. So that's the one film out of the 15 that we haven't seen. So maybe we should give it a look. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then number 11, and this potentially could be higher now because this is the most recent film on the list. Mm. So this is Crazy Rich Asians, which at the time of getting this list, which was a couple of days after the last recording, was on $141 million. So obviously I said I knew what was at number 11 was because when we were looking at the list, um, I think I exclaimed, oh my God, Crazy Rich mm. Asians is already on the list. But I don't think it's even like been out all over the world yet. No. Um, so I saw this a couple of weeks ago on an unlimited screening. Um, I really rate this film. I think it's really good. It's um, a story about a girl who's been dating this guy. And funnily enough, we mentioned it last episode. Um, the actor's name, I can't remember, but he's in uh, Simple Favour as well. So they've been dating for a while and he comes from a very rich family. Um, but she has no idea that his family is so rich and he invites her back home to go to a friend's wedding. And so she's going to meet his family for the first time and it's only on the flight over there that she finds out how rich they are because they're in like first class on the plane. And she's just like, oh my God, how can we afford this? And then, then he kind of <clears throat> explains to her how rich his family are. And while she's there visiting the family, it's almost like she's got to justify her being there. Like the, some of the family members, especially his mother, are against her. Um, and f- friends of the family, sort of like other women, um, sort of feel like that she's not worthy, that she's just after his money and stuff. Obviously, she didn't know that he had all this money. And it's just the story of those two and the troubles they go through and sort of the wedge it drives between them and then ultimately you know bringing them back together again um it's just it's just a really <clears throat> it's just a really like fun film to watch yeah. it was it was funny um i think um i'm apologies if i say her name wrong aquafina who was in um oceans eight um she plays her friend uh the lead character's friend and she's really good at it um the characters are likable um the ones that are dicks like you you really do think that they're dicks yeah. um it's it's just nice <clears throat> there's there's the right balance of romance and comedy for me um i wouldn't be surprised if this went um higher up the list would you like an update yeah, it? it's now at number seven wow and it's done 159 million dollars that's insane Obviously, the rest of it hasn't changed because everything else is much older, so everything's just shifted a bit. Mm. So back to where we're... So that was at number 11. So at number 10 on the list as we're seeing it, which would now be number 11, is As Good As It Gets, which was $148 million. So that's a Jack Nicholson one again. Again, I'd probably put more in the dramatic carrot than comedy. See, this one is interesting for me because I don't find it I don't find it particularly funny I think Jack Nicholson's character is such an arsehole mm. um, 
but I can't really believe any of the romantic element. I mean, maybe that's where I don't see it as romance because I mean, again, it's stellar cast because you got Jack Nicholson, Helen Hunt, Greg Kinnear, and Cuba Gooding Jr. I believe. I just yeah, to me, it's not a a rom com, not in the traditional sense. No, so I mean, if you haven't seen it, so Jack Nicholson plays a man who's got a few issues so he's OCD he has to he can't shake people's hands he has to can't walk on cracks is he autistic yeah that's probably the word I was looking for um, and then there's Helen Hunt I mean I haven't seen it for a while is she his neighbour or something she or works, a nurse she yeah she works doesn't she work at the restaurant that he goes to oh yeah yeah so he goes to a restaurant every at like the same time every week and she's his waitress and they sort of strike up a friendship which then they end up going on a road trip or something, don't they? For some reason, he goes with her or she goes with him. But I, yeah, I, I can't remember. It, I mean, it is an odd film. I don't think it's a bad film. I just don't class it as a yeah rom com. So for me, it's like a drama. It's it is a drama with comedic elements, but I don't think there's enough to put it into a rom com. I don't think it's romantic. Well, they get together, don't they, basically? Yeah, but... It's not really romance, but they get together. Mm. I, I, it's unbelievable to me because he's such a fucking dick in it. But. Yeah. Uh, so then number nine, which is still $148,300,000 more than as good as it gets, uh, Knocked Up. Okay. So this is the film that I started watching, got 45 minutes in, and I was willing an asteroid to strike everyone dead in the film including the children it i just could not get through i just hated everyone in it they're just so shit characters like seth rogan and all of his mates are just such dicks yeah they're just stoners aren't they yeah but it just irritated me so much just how fucking stupid they were and how shit they were um i'll take over this one then yeah that's Um, that's my two penneth worth so Terry uh, got into. Oh Jesus! What was that? I touched a wire. I think. Apologies to anyone. <sighs> that was a loud crackle in my ear. I don't know if you guys heard that. Anyway, knocked up. Terry got in touch and said, "I can't finish watching this. It's terrible." Now, that's, al- that's almost like a challenge to me. If someone says a film's so terrible they can't watch it, I want to watch that shit. Um, so I watched it. I quite enjoyed it. Um, I would so, caveat. I'd seen it before. I saw it at the cinema and didn't hate it. I just mm. couldn't like rewatching it. I um yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think if it was on the telly, I'd probably leave it on. Um, I don't think I'd be rushing out to see it again. But it's got Catherine Heigl. Heigl in it, who's very watchable, I think. Um, so essentially, she um she gets a promotion from work and she goes out with her sister to celebrate. And she bumps into this guy in a club who's Seth Rogen's character. Is it Rogen or Rogan? I thought it was Rogan. We'll, we'll go with Rogan then. Um, Seth Rogen's character who's, you know, a bit of a stoner. And anyway, they, they're blind drunk, but they end up back at hers. Um, and they sleep together and she's saying to him, oh, have you got a condom? And it's just taking him ages to put it on. So um, in the end, she says something. I can't remember the line she, she used. She says, just, oh, get just on get with on it. with it. Just get on with it. Which she means, hurry up and get it on. He takes it as, just get on with it. Like, just do me, don't bother putting it on. So they have unprotected sex. Um, And no surprise, she ends up pregnant. Knocked up, in um, fact. Knocked up. 
Um, and then the film then goes on and it's them trying to... She obviously has to contact him and say, FYI, I'm knocked up. Um, she decides she wants to keep the baby, so he decides, obviously, I'm going to try and help you. And they try and sort of build a relationship, bearing in mind that they were never like destined to be a couple. They literally just had a one-night stand. Um, and, and the film is about them like really trying to make it work um and almost like starting to date um which is which is quite interesting he has to sort of like pull his socks up as it were and try and get himself like a proper apartment and a job because him and his friends are just trying to set up a website none of them actually have uh jobs he's basically just living off some not inheritance money i think he got some money from like a car crash or something like that so some uh, compensation money and that's just about to run out. So I decided, so I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a proper apartment. And I'm going to support this woman and the baby that she's going to have. Um, you know, and that that's the film is them trying to sort of like build their relationship. And then she has the baby. And, you know, there's a nice little happy montage at the end of the film. Um, I thought it was all right. Quite enjoyable. Um, I can see why it's on the list. It's kind of film, I think. It's that sort of new Brat Pack, wasn't it? Like Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill. Yeah, who's that other guy that was in it? The tall guy. Uh, the fella from How I Met Your Mother. Don't know. Paul Rudd's in it as well. Cause the, this oh, is... yeah, now Paul Rudd's in it. And he's really funny. He plays... He's Him and his wife mm. are like the redeeming... Thing, but that they got a spin-off film, didn't they? This is 40 is a spin-off of Knocked Up. Oh, okay. So, yeah, the Catherine Heigl's sister... Um, is great in this and because she's sort of going through a bit of a midlife crisis isn't she she's married with a couple of kids um but paul rudd plays her husband and yeah i do think that but i think i think paul rudd's excellent Mm. um he's very watchable no there's another tall guy jason somebody seagull seagull the guy from the muppet movie isn't he one of them yeah yeah um and they all get pink eyed out there at some point I didn't get to that bit. Oh no, of course you didn't. Um, Yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if it was on the telly. Yeah. Worthy of number nine, though. Huh? Worthy of number nine on the list? Well, number ten on the list. Who who are we to say whether or not they're worthy? They wouldn't be our number nine, would they? But so number eight is over to you, son, because I've not seen this. So 152 million pound dollars. Runaway Bride. Okay, so Runaway Bride. Was this the reunion? Yes, this was the reunion of Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. Obviously, they'd made Pretty Woman together before. Um, this is a story of Julia Roberts' character, who has who is the runaway bride. So she's had three weddings um, where she has not made it down the aisle. To the same man? Nope. Three different guys, um, all completely different, obviously, um, where she has started to walk down the aisle and then she's legged it oh, she um, actually got to the aisle yeah yeah she's she's at her own wedding and then she's legged it um and richard gear's character is uh, a journalist and he's going to write about the runaway bride so he goes to the small town where she's from and basically when he gets there he's he's very cynical he's very sort of judgmental and he mocks her and her 
family quite a lot and then you know the longer he's sort of like hanging around and he gets to know and she's engaged again so she's ready to marry right, okay. guy number four um and the more time he sort of like spends around her and her friends and family the more he realizes that she's like the butt of everyone's jokes and that everyone's sort of like taking the mickey out of her but they're not so perfect themselves um and she doesn't like him following her around by the way i can hear you doing that oh sorry okay um she doesn't like him following her around she but she decides she wants this really nice wedding dress so she said she goes up to him and she says i will answer your questions and i'll let you follow me around for this much money because she wants to buy this particular dress so they come to this agreement and he does then start sort of like following her around and sort of going about her day and stuff um so this is the this is the film um you know and ultimately you know he starts to fall for her and she's possibly falling for him but she's still adamant that she's going to go ahead with this fourth wedding and that she's definitely going to go ahead with it um and last episode when i said about there's there's like a a common um theme in these rom-coms where one person in the relationship does something wrong which then makes it okay for the other person to get with the, get with someone else in this one in america i don't i don't really know if it's a thing here because i've uh, never got married um to have like the wedding rehearsals the day before or the night before no that's a, i mean i never did it um so they have this like wedding rehearsal and the guy that she's marrying decides to put um richard gear he says to him right you be the vicar like that julia roberts starts walking down the aisle you know this is just a rehearsal but she's walking down the aisle and she's starting to panic and she's just like no no i can't do it i can't do it the guy that she's marrying is a sports coach so he's just like, i'm gonna help you get i'm gonna help you i'm gonna talk you through it. i'm gonna talk you through it so he then goes to richard gear's character you be me you be the groom so now she's walking down the aisle towards richard gear for the first time she just walks down the aisle no problem yeah but her husband thinks oh it's great because it's all the pep talk i'm doing so they got someone pretending to be the vicar and they just kind of go blah blah blah. you may now kiss the bride and they just start kissing this is at the the wedding rehearsal so the groom to be is stood right there just kind of going what 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 the what the fuck is going on do you know what i mean because they're just kissing and all the other people that are there are just kind of like what um and this was the first film where i just kind of thought that's just outright out of order because yeah. you're just stood there in front of your husband-to-be... Cheating on him. Kissing this other guy. And then it's all just sort of like, hey, well, at least I'm, you know, at least I'm running away before the wedding. And it's almost sort of like made a joke of. And I kind of thought, felt that the groom, the fourth groom, was treat, treated really shittily. Um, you know, Richard Gere's character was a bit of a dick, you know, for mm. behaving like that. And, and Julia Roberts' character, who you kind of obviously we're warming to until that point i just think no guys that's a dick move if you like each other you don't reveal just... it in that way <laughs> um so that was where i thought that was the first one i watched where i just thought okay the this isn't typical sort of like rom-com um material is here. that like the end of the film no so then what happens is um so they sort of like you got Richard Gere and Julia Roberts kind of going, wow, what just happened? And, you know, they, they can't stop kissing each other. And it's like, and he's just like, oh, I'm, well, you've still got a wedding tomorrow. You know, the church is booked and stuff. Marry me. And then, then 
Um, then what you get is like the montage yeah. of them. So, like, so they, they've kissed at the rehearsal wedding and then they've decided, well, the church is booked for the next day or the day after or whatever. Let's use it. Let's marry each other because we've kissed. So we're clearly <laughs> going to be life partners. Um, and then there's this montage of them, you know, spending time together and falling in love over the space of about 48 hours. <laughs> one of one of the things that they do together is play Snap. Just like, oh, God. Um, and it's it's just... It was annoying me that that it was happening like this. Um, but then what happens is... So you, you get to this wedding and you think, okay, this is it now. She's not going to be the runaway bride. This is going to be the ending of the film because... She gets to the wedding with Richard Gere and she does a she does a runner again. Oh, does she? Yeah, she gets in like a FedEx truck or something. And she's just like drive, drive, and he's running after the truck, running after the truck after her. But no, she's done it again. Um, and you know, and then the the final act, I guess, of the film is her going through a journey of self discovery in a um, FedEx van. And she's gone back home and she's kind of like started up her own business and sort of sorted her family out. She's got a drunk dad and that. How much time has passed then? Um, I think they go a good few months without seeing each other. He's gone back to, I think he's from New York. So yeah. he's gone back there to sort of go back to his journalist job. Um, and then eventually she goes to see him and she, she proposes to him. Mm. And she's just kind of like, oh, you know, these are the reasons why I behaved the way I behaved. All of which are fucking stupid. Um, ultimately this film um, annoyed me greatly because I like both those actors and I thought the story was really weak on this film I imagine they must have thrown a lot of money at them both in it um, I it was it's possibly one of the lamest ones that I've seen mm. um, not, <clears throat> not impressed at all you know, falls into the stereotype of much older man as well, doesn't it? Yeah, um, but it, it was just the whole the way they ended up getting together bit. It didn't sit right with me. I didn't like that at all. No, that is a bit of a dick move, yeah. as you said. I didn't like that. So yeah, Runaway Bride's not a favourite for me, um, and I can only assume it did so well at the box office based on their previous pairing. This cable. Um, yeah, it must be just the Pretty Woman reunion. Yeah, must be. Anyway, uh, so next up we have my. I refuse to watch this film film. Yeah. So, $152.6 million with Sex and the City. Right, where do I fucking start with this absolute steaming turd of a <laughs> fucking film? Um, Did you like it? Uh, I don't normally use this word on the podcast because I try to what a bunch of cunts. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Um, right, so I've never watched Sex and the City, uh, the TV series, so I was not familiar with the characters. I knew who the characters were because the show was so huge. I've seen a few episodes with Gem liking it. Um, I've, I've never watched one episode, but I think you would have to have been living in a cave for the last 10 or 15 years to not know who Carrie Bradshaw is and Samantha, certainly. Um, now, these four women, I would say with the exception of Charlotte, um, she's the dark-haired one. Kristen Davis. Yeah. The other three, dicks. Yeah, yeah. She, I, I don't understand how she's friends with them. Anyway, so this film came around, I think, about four years after the series finished. Yeah, they all realised um, they couldn't get any other work. And 
and it's basically sort of like a summary of where they are all at now so charlotte the dark-haired one um is married and has an adopted daughter um uh miranda the ginger one um is married with a child uh samantha is living with a guy called smith i think who is younger than her so she's sort of That's like pretty much how the series ends I think, yeah yeah, yeah. so it's a summer but so for me it's it's all brand new so i've not seen the series but um she um is in a relationship whereas i believe her character before was only very promiscuous of, yeah yeah i i knew that about samantha so very no, not really settling down but she's met someone and she's settled down i think she's acting as his manager so she's actually moved away from is it New York where they all live? Yeah. So she's actually moved away from New York. She's got a lovely beachfront house. But anyway, and then you've got Carrie Bradshaw, who um, is finally with Mr. Big. Yep. Um, and the the film begins with them, uh, Carrie and Mr. Big getting a, an apartment together. And then she feels maybe, you know, if anything were to happen, he's bought the apartment, what would happen to her? So they decide to get married. And then ultimately, the you know, in the middle of the film he doesn't turn up to the wedding um and then it's about them sort of like finding each other again so again a long time i think six months or so goes by where she doesn't she refuses to have any contact with him or anything like that and it's basically her and it's it's then that half of the film is about how her and her girls you know sort of rediscover themselves so samantha ends up leaving um the guy that she's been living with uh, miranda's husband has an affair because they they're never having sex um so he no he doesn't have an affair he sleeps with someone once and miranda decides that they're gonna get a divorce um and uh charlotte who is the only redeeming character in this um she actually falls pregnant naturally so the reason they've got an adoptive child is because they can't have kids so she so something good happens for her and then ultimately carrie and mr big get back together but um i found these characters so unlikable um like especially the one i hated the most was uh miranda she was a fucking cow um just really just fucking she was a dick in the series because she just wouldn't settle for steve despite the fact she had a kid with him because they sort of got pregnant and then split up and she didn't like him because he lived in brooklyn and she was a real dick to him and then finally accepted him um but it's it's so sort of like they've obviously all got a lot of money and it's so about that mm. and it's so shallow um and I, I i like i say i've never seen the series so i maybe if i'd seen the series and got to know the characters and stuff like that i quite liked samantha's character um you know i liked her sort of like honesty like t- towards the end of the film when she breaks up with this guy that she's been living with and being you know a faithful partner to she just turns around and she says you know the only person i'm really interested in having a relationship with is myself um you know and i think that's better than sort of pretending that you're happy in a relationship that you're not um because she's she's constantly thinking about cheating on him you know she doesn't act on that but in the end she's just kind of like nah this isn't mm. working and she goes back to doing what she loves best <laughs> <laughs> um but fuck me what a, what an absolute bloody chore and it's about two and a half hours long this is the one that we were just like it's as long as bloody titanic um nearly 
But um, I Will hope... you be popping on Sex and the City 2 at any point in the future? I hope I never see it again. It's made me never want to watch an episode of the series. And certainly I never want to watch Sex and the City 2. I can't, I can't even begin to think where it must go. I end up in Dubai, <laughs> I think, or something like that. Awful, awful women. Moving on. Yeah, so moving on. Hashtag girl power. Uh, so moving on, slightly happier. Obviously, we're into the top six now. So, I mean, I've seen all but one of them now. So 163.9 million. Mm. Before you say, the only, go- the only good thing I thought about about Sex and the City was I think Jennifer Hudson's in it. Oh, is she? I hope it's Jennifer Hudson. I like to say she sung the song at the end. Um, uh, because she plays um, Carrie's assistant. Let's just have a quick... Yeah, Jay Hudson it. Um, Louise from St. Louis. Um, she comes and she plays Carrie's um, assistant. And for a brief, brief moment, I didn't hate that film. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, yeah, so 163.9 million, The Proposal. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you... get... No, I didn't no. get a chance to watch that. So this is one that I was I've... watching Sex in the City. <laughs> I watched The Bloody Snowman. Um, yeah, you, you missed out. You should have Lucy, watched... Lucy thought I'd watched, you know, Walking in the Air Snowman. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely should have watched The Proposal over both of those things. Mm. So The Proposal is a romantic comedy starring Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. So... Um, Sandra Bullock is Margaret Tate who is a chief editor for a publishing company and Ryan Reynolds is essentially her assistant um, she is seen as the wicked witch within the office everyone is scared of her no one likes her the opening montage is her like approaching the office and people like aiming each other the witch is coming the witch is coming and everyone like pretending to work Ryan Reynolds has got her a coffee he spills the coffee down himself and he's like saying to someone, give me your shirt. And he's like, no, no, no. It's like, give me your shirt. I can't go into the room with her with my shirt covered in coffee. She will fire me. Um, So it's set up that she's a taskmaster. No one really likes her. Um, But she's, she's very good at her job. She has a massive blazing row with another like senior publisher and she's like you're fired get out and he starts going for her and like getting personal and she just stands there and everyone's just like oh my god she's about to destroy this man and she's just like get out of the building now she's then called into like the big big office and um the boss is like chatting to her is like you remember how we told you not to go to oh, i forget where it was like to leave the country in january because your visa was being relooked at yeah, 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 I remember. And you remember how you still went? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Uh, your visa's been revoked. So she's Canadian working in America and her working visa's been revoked so she has to leave the country and go back to Canada, essentially. Oh. And the thing is, like, unless you can give us a reason why you would still be able to get a visa, like, you need to go, we're going to put the guy you've just fired in charge of the company and she obviously won't have that. So she calls in Ryan Reynolds's character and just sort of starts holding his hand and Ryan Reynolds is like what the fuck's going on here and she just says well we're getting married so it'll all be fine and obviously it's the first that either of them have heard of it and then the whole premise of the film is that they have to pretend to be a couple so that she doesn't get deported and lose her job and it just so happens that that weekend he was going home anyway for his his grandma's like 90th birthday party so she ends up having to tag along on that and in a surprising twist, they find out that maybe they like each other after all. Oh. 
but it's just it's very funny so immediately he just starts to use it to his advantage because he's like he wants to become like an editor himself and he's just like give me the give me the promotion or like you can fuck off back to canada essentially and it's just she's very hoity-toity she's very like she's got all this fancy luggage she thinks like he's just some little dick who lives in a crappy crappy flat because they're, they're talking about this story and she's like, well obviously you live with me and he's like well why do i live with you he's like, because you're gonna have a shit apartment i'm like the head of this company when they go home she f- realizes that he's actually incredibly rich and his mum and dad basically own this little community every shop is their shop and there's this big thing that his dad wants him to come home and take over the family business but he's like no i don't want to i want to be in books i love books and he meets his old childhood flame that he hasn't seen for a few years and it's got a sort of why you were sleeping vibe with like it's almost her falling for the family because she's her we find out that her family were killed in a car crash when she was really young so she's basically grown up without a family on her own and she falls in love with this family environment with the mum with the nan and ryan reynolds is obviously falling for her there's an amazing scene where they both end up naked she's having a shower and he's been out chopping wood because he's annoyed he comes back with his headphones on so doesn't hear her he strips off in the bedroom and they turn and sort of interlock whilst naked and there's a sort of lovely sort of awkwardness to that but it's just a this is one of the funnier ones i mean having ryan reynolds in a film is going to be funny having sandra bullock and they have a really good chemistry possibly even better than her and keanu's in speed um Mm. but yeah it's just say it's a very predictable rom-com but i feel like most of them probably are again there's something that happens that throws a spanner in the works but it's just a really nice funny comedy um betty white's in it as the nan and she's a bit of a bit of a live wire um but yeah it's just really really nice film very funny i say i would recommend you watch it and sandra bullock sandra i mean this is i think 2009 so sandra bullock is like pushing mid 40s and just absolutely stunning uh, so then we move on to a film that I think Sonia will want to talk about so number 5 176 million is There's Something About Mary yeah so this was on my um, top 5 favourite rom-coms from the last episode um, I said at the time that it, I was it was kind of like a toss up between Notting Hill and this one but I very s- very similar films um but I've seen there's something about Mary a lot more times. Um, so this is a film about Mary, played by Cameron Diaz. Um, and there is something about Mary. Basically, guys just fall in love with yeah, her. Yeah, everyone. Um, and I really... One of the reasons I really love this film is because I do think Mary is lovely. Oh, yeah. She's just... She's, she's just, just ordinary, so, isn't she? She's just so nice. And her relationship with her brother is just really lovely. She's always, like, happy. And she's just... She's just really... Because she's not, like, pretentious. Like, she just yeah. wants to go out for a hot dog and stuff like that. She doesn't want, mm. like, the man who sweeps her off her feet and takes her to the ballet. It's just, I want a guy who wants to drink beer, eat a hot dog and watch baseball. Um... And it's, it's a story about these these guys are essentially like fighting over her. Yeah. They're all trying to like win her affections. Um, but when she was in high school, she went on a date or was it prom? Yeah. He, she went on with, um, with Ben, ben Stiller, Stiller. Who was a massive weed and they only went because he basically stuck up for her brother in a little fight or something. Mm. 
but that one of the funniest bits in the film for me is yeah. that yeah so there's that sort of famous scene where he gets himself caught in his trousers <laughs> is yep. it the frank or the beans um <laughs> it's just when they show it and he's he's done the zip fully up <laughs> he's just got a bubble of skin oh. in the middle and it's because everybody's teaching it's just like how did you do the zip up <laughs> and my favourite bit is like the best way to do it is like, you've already set the track so we just need to go backwards and like you've got the guy you can't see it but he's clearly got his hand on the zipper and it's one two we've got a bleeder <laughs> it just cuts straight into the next scene of him on the gurney yeah because like literally he's, st- he's in the toilet he's locked himself in the stepdad lets himself in sees it shits himself brings the mother in yeah and then a policeman happens to be walking past the window and leans in then a fireman walks in it's proper, yeah, it's like a proper lol fest. Um, and he's, he's like dorky teenager because he's got these big braces yeah. on his teeth as well, hasn't he? Big so, old sort of bob so, haircut. So awkward. Um, but yeah, he falls for Mary and he's been sort of like in love with Mary for years, hasn't he? Uh, but in a non-stalkery way. But yeah. then he decides to basically stalk her. Um, so he's falling for her. Um, Matt well, he Dillon's, hires Matt Dillon's... Yeah detective to go yeah. and find her because she moved away but then matt dylan ends up falling for her um you've got ben stiller's friend has fallen for her but then uh, in a in a brilliant comedy turn well he's funny anyway um it, lee evans is in it um thankfully well he does do an american accent doesn't he so yeah. when he play he's playing like a a doctor isn't he no he's an architect Not an architect um and Terry was telling me that um some reviewer said that he had the worst English accent he'd ever heard, um, which is brilliant. Um but when he's playing the architect um and he's got those crutches, he's so clumsy. Yeah. It's such perfect Lee Evans comedy because yeah. he's a you very can't imagine physical, anyone else doing it. He's a very physical um comedian. When he drops those keys and he's trying to pick them up on his crutches, oh god, it just kills it, me. Because he tries to pick it up and like he won't let Mary help, but and Mary just, like, just keeps knocking him, them. knocking him. But then he, he gets them and he walks into the next room and drops them again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just that oh god, here we go. I've got to learn. Um, and then later on you find out that he's just he's actually just he's pretending his name's Norm and he's a pizza yeah. delivery driver he's he's just who got his mate to break his back because Mary's a surgeon just trying to um, yeah he's basically just just trying to impress Mary um, and it's just it's just chaos and it sort of shows how and ultimately it comes as sort of like this final end scene isn't it where essentially even including Ben Stiller's character in some way or another they've all lied to her yeah they're all dicks about who they are because <laughs> you've got that brilliant scene as well but with uh, Ben Stiller sort of walking back to his car crying his yeah. eyes out and she goes she, what's his name in it but she calls him back doesn't she and he gets all hopeful and yeah. she's just like oh, oh you, you left, left your keys you left your keys here <laughs> and it's just so ridiculous because then ultimately um, she uh, she finds the guy for who you think she's going to go off with uh, Brett, Brett Favre, Favre doesn't she um, and obviously the iconic scene that everyone remembers is uh, where Ben Stiller has cleaned the pipes mm. before his date and somehow it ends up on his ear <laughs> and she uses uh, she uses it as hair gel. gel so there's that iconic picture of her with that fringe um, it's just it's it's just funny and it's it's proper gross out comedy as yeah, well yeah it's gross out comedy but the, it, there is romance at the core of it as yeah. well 
Um, so there's all the sort of like gross stuff that happens. Of course, you've got Magda in it as well, who's yeah. hilarious. Um, but the you've got dog. All the gross stuff, especially with the guy who gets hives um, <laughs> when he's got that fucking whitehead on his eyelid. Yeah. It's so disgusting. I mean, One of my favourite bits is the hitchhiker as well. Oh, that yeah. he randomly picks up. He's like, I've got an idea. <laughs> Seven minute abs. We're going to beat eight minute abs. And Ben Stiller just sort of goes, oh, until they bring out six minute abs. No, what what the fuck are you on about? Step into my office. You're fucking fired. Um, <laughs> just always got me that line. It's, yeah, the right amount of um, certainly comedy. Um, and mm. it is it is romantic at its core because even, even the guys when they're... I don't think um, Guy with the Hives is ever good. But Matt, no. Matt Dillon and um, Lee Evans do Yeah, that, they love her. Whereas they do try. Yeah, whereas, Hives guy is just like obsessed. Yeah. Uh, and also something that I love in a film that you don't often get... I love the sort of montage song at the end. Oh, yeah. Where they all sing Build Me Up Buttercup, but yeah. it's like throughout the film. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, I love that song anyway, but it's just like a nice little touch. Yeah, it's a really nice ending, actually, to the film, isn't it? And um, Mary's mum and stepdad are hilarious as well, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, just, is it the Frank or the Beans? Just, <laughs> How did you get the Beans above the Frank? <laughs> it's just really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Love that film. Uh, so, from gross out comedy to, I mean, I'm surprised this one wasn't higher, to be honest. I thought this one possibly would be number one. So, number four, 178 million, Pretty Woman. Okay. Um, so, this was on my list as well. Um, yeah, this isn't gross out of comedy at, at all. Um, this, for me, is sort of like typical, typical rom-com. And this yeah, also... this, if you were to put one at the top of what is like the, all the standards, all the sort of stereotypes. Yeah, although I'd go for more, the more British ones. But anyway... Um, this was also one of my comfort films as well one of the ones that I mentioned that would have made the list uh, so Pretty Woman is one of my mum's favourite films um, it's the film she watches when she's doing the ironing <laughs> and um, if you don't know the story Julia Roberts' character is essentially uh, a prostitute um, and she meets um, Richard Gere's character and he basically asks her to come and stay for a week I think yeah, while he's um, doing having some business. Yeah, um, and th- and they end up falling together. You know, she's supposed to be very sort of like non classy, but really she's she's the most beautiful, clean prostitute yeah. you've ever seen. But it's it's the way that people treat her and the way that she's perceived when she basically when she's just dressed differently. Yeah. Um. So he's the way they treat her in that posh shop. in that shop. Yeah, where she's bastard treated so badly, and then she goes in with a different hairstyle and a different dress and they're sort of like falling over themselves um you know and he's he's basically given her you know he wants someone to sort of go to these social events with yeah just to hang on his arm yeah but of course doesn't want people to know that she's a prostitute or that he's paid for her so but he's basically sort of like given her all this money to buy all these new clothes and stuff um and you know long story short they end up falling together and that sort of um, sort of cemented them I think in rom-com history and obviously yeah. brought them back together again later on for a fall. I mean I'd say Julia Inferior Roberts is probably film. the queen of the rom-com I would think I can't think She's of a woman that's yeah. maybe Catherine Heigl but I don't feel like hers are as well received as Julia Roberts is uh, do you think like Notting Hill My Best Friend's Wedding The Mexican mm-hmm. um, Pretty Woman 
it's just, more, just it's just got of. some like really lovely um i mean one thing that always sticks in my mind with this film is when she's she's coloring in the scuffs of her boots with like yeah. a marker pen because i've done that before <laughs> i mean i'm not a prostitute but um i've definitely covered colored in the scuffs of my um shoes with um marker pen and even when i've not been able to remove the label off the bottom of the shoes i've just got a black marker pen and colored <laughs> it in um and she's i i really like julia roberts anyway i find her very very watchable i think she's really beautiful as well and we, beautiful in like a pretty way yeah um not in a, in a sort of girl next door way and i i just love watching films with her in i just think she's just really lovely to watch and she's so sort of like sweet in this film um, i really enjoyed the relationship between her and the hotel manager so i re i watched mm. this as part of it but yeah because you think he's gonna like be really mean to her yeah. and he ends up being really nice he helps her get somewhere where they'll actually let her buy clothes teaches her what a salad fork is for yeah and like is actually like a really nice guy gives her like sort of etiquette lessons yeah. basically um yeah and it's just sort of like you know a girl girl comes good you know she wants to sort of like better herself and it's not just sort of like all about oh some guys giving her a load of money to do whatever you know i think they do i know it's only a film and it's make-believe but i think they do sort of like fall in love um do you think it lasts if well with that money yeah <laughs> i think so um sweet what's next so top three now so we have 179.5 million is hitch see i haven't i have not seen this film the fact that this film is above something like pretty woman just baffles me i think um, the reason it's above that is because it's got will smith in it and yeah. it was during will smith's sort of proper heyday is um, there a scene where he's on a jet ski yes i might have seen this film but <laughs> Um, I love how we both say I haven't seen a film there's so much I'll talk about no I've seen that uh, so this is Hitch so Will Smith plays Hitch um, he's essentially like a love doctor I think he's actually called he's called Doctor Day or something but his thing is he can get any well not get any girl but he can get a guy with a girl within three dates and he sort of he's not obviously like listed or anything he's people refer him to like so if you get a good experience, you'll pass him on to someone. And the main one we follow through the film is Kevin James's um, Albert, who's fallen in love with this. I can't remember if she's a supermodel or something, but she's very famous because Hitch laughs at him when he finds out that's who he wants to mm. get with. He's like her junior accountant. Um, and then also through the film, Hitch is trying to get with himself with Ether Mendes' character, who is a gossip columnist. Yeah. Um, so he's like dating her and it's going horribly, horribly wrong. So the jet ski scene you've said about, that's like their first date. He takes her out. His jet ski breaks down. I can't remember. I mean, I only watched it today, but I don't know if he deliberately breaks his jet ski so that he can get on the jet ski with her or if it's an accident. When he climbs onto her jet ski, he kicks her in the face and knocks her off the jet ski. Yeah, I've seen this film. <laughs> Um, but everything he does for her is really nice but backfires. so after that he takes her to Ellis Island where obviously all the immigrants that came to America had to sign in and he's got his mate to put her great great granddad signature up front so she can see like that when her great granddad entered the country and it actually turns out that he was a serial killer who was called the butcher and it brings back horrible family memories for her um, and just 
escalate like that whereas for albert it's all he's telling albert to do this like not to dance like you don't do that because you look stupid don't do that but he actually does what he wants he basically uses hitch to get the confidence to talk to her and like the initial contact but then Mm. he starts doing his stupid dancing and it gets on and then there's another person who tries to hire him and while he's sort of interviewing him so to speak he's like yeah yeah you know i think we're like i just need to bang her and move on i just need to get her out of my head and obviously that's not what he's about he's about putting relationships together he's about love not just about having sex so he walks away from that guy the guy sleeps with someone and sort of as a parting remark says oh yeah who the fuck like love doctor my ass like i didn't need him because i got it myself and the Eva Mendes' character finds out about this and sort of makes it her goal to find out who this date doctor is and like uncover him and expose him to the world and that sort of so you've got like the three threads of Albert and his girlfriend Hitch and Eva Mendes and Eva Mendes not knowing that she's after Hitch but going after Hitch Mm. and it I mean I feel like again a lot of it is pulled along by Will Smith and his charm and his charisma Mm. because it opens with him like like almost like talking to the camera explaining what he does like voiceover and stuff like that and it's just very smooth from him i'm not a massive kevin james fan but he's actually very good in this film because he's basically playing that sort of weird dorky guy like he eats a hot dog he spills mustard down himself he tries to clean the mustard off he spills coke down his other leg (laughs) and it's just stupid things like that keep happening and it's just I mean, it's perfectly decent. I'd, I'd recommend it to watch. It's not one of my personal favorites. Again, it's pushing on two hours. Mm. And it's just, it's it's perfectly decent, but didn't really stand out for me. I'm pretty sure I've seen it. I would have thought so. It's, it's mm. like, I mean, it's crazy. Like the films we talk about, that's 15 years old. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I would recommend to watch it. So that was it. number three? Yep, and that is a 50p job in Kex. Right. I think... I've got no idea what the top The entire are. top five is 50p in Kex. Mm. Uh, so number two on 182 million is What Women Want oh, okay. starring so Mel Gibson I haven't seen this one so this is one I think I had seen it but I've rewatched it as part of this um, so this is Mel Gibson who is a ad is like an ad guy he creates ads he's known within the business for being like a like a dick basically like um, what, what is the word I'm thinking of that like, doesn't like women what's the word chauvinist that's the word He's known for being a chauvinist. Um, he thinks he's about to get this promotion to be like the second in command and to like head the company. But he finds out that Helen Hunt has got it instead because his boss feels like that women are becoming a big thing. And like, although you're really good at your job, you don't have that other side to you. You're just like the chauvinist. And I can't see how you would change. And we need to make sure that like we're aiming for women. There's a lot of stuff out there that we need to get for women. So they bring in Helen Hunt instead. Um, so he obviously goes about thinking like you've stolen my job I don't like you um, and then she her first staff meeting she's like so he here's all these female products that I know the companies are looking for advertising for so I want you all to take your box away like don't think about it now go away and we're going to have another meeting tomorrow and I want all of you to have one idea for at least one of the products on what we can do so he's sat at home, he has a few drinks and he opens up this box and it's got like lipstick, pantyhose, hair dye, hair wax and he just decides to try them all on. Um, his estranged daughter is living with him. Well, not estranged, he doesn't live with her. Like while her mum and dad are away, oh, sorry, her mum and stepdad are away. 
So she walks in while he's got like pantyhose, mascara, and nail varnish on. They have a bit of a to do. He's then a bit of a to do. <laughs> he's drying his hair, slips and falls in the bath with the hairdryer and is electrocuted. When he wakes up in the morning, he can hear women's thoughts. Um, is he still wearing the pantyhose? When he wakes up, yes, not when he leaves the house. So because he has put a pair of tights on and is wearing makeup, he can... I don't know if that... It's the electrocution I, thing that yeah, is... Yeah, I understand. But, but I don't know if that's why the electric did what it did. Yeah. Um, so at first, obviously, he hates it because he, he can't think because everywhere he goes, there's women everywhere and he can lit. So he'll just be talking to them and like people that he thought really liked him because he made them laugh. They're like, oh, not... Am I going to have to listen to another sexist joke is what's going on ahead? Or, oh, he's just such a... Why doesn't he realise that I could do so much more than just make him coffee? And he starts to feel really bad on himself. And then he realises, obviously, he can use it to his advantage. And then the rest of the film is essentially him stealing people's ideas in meetings because he can hear them talking about it. He basically rips off every idea that Helen Hunt has and takes it for his own. Mm. But during course of it, realises that she's really nice and he actually quite likes her. And she... She came into it thinking that he was a chauvinist pig and that she was going to have a real battle with him. But she's like thinking, no, actually, I quite like him. He seems like a nice guy. And yeah, it sort of goes from there, basically. And it's just follows through that. That will they, won't they? They do. Then will they stay together? Won't they stay together? There's a whole strand with his daughter going to her prom with a boy that he doesn't approve of. And he takes her out to buy her prom dress because he's being a nice dad because he can read her thoughts. And while she's trying on the dress, she sort of says to herself in her head, I can't believe this is the last dress I wear as a virgin. And he obviously has a panic attack about this. And it's about him like reconnecting with his daughter and being a nice guy, basically. It's okay. Again, pushing on two hours. And there is a new one coming out, which is the opposite way around, which is the main woman from The Help. Mm. I don't know how to pronounce her name, where she becomes able to hear... She's a sport agent and she can hear what men think and I assume uses it to her advantage and falls her love along the way. Um, I think I've just worked out what number one is because I've just realised there's a film that we haven't talked about. Yeah. Uh, One thing as well, I just think because I've just said that with While You Were Sleeping that I talked about in the first podcast a week ago for listeners, originally that film was scripted that it was the woman in the coma and it was the man that was lying and it obviously got turned down by every Hollywood studio because it seemed like a fucking horrendous stalker film because it just seems horrible mm. when it's a man doing it to a woman. But it seemed fine when it was a woman doing it to a man. Um, so, yeah, so number one. Um, so I can remember this coming out and it being a big deal. I haven't seen it. I did buy it, but those fucks at Kex oh, yeah. <laughs> put a Region 1 disc in my case or there was a Region 1 disc in my case and I don't have a multi-region player so I couldn't watch this film. Um, is my big fat Greek wedding on 241 million. So that is 60 million more than what women want in number two. I mean, and one thing about this film, although I haven't watched it, it's only like 90 minutes long. Um, and how much is um, Crazy Rich Asians on at the moment? It is now on, let me just go up to the updated list, 159. And this is 240. So it's 80 million off. Um, Because I think Crazy Rich Asians is going to certainly make a a race to catch it up. Um, I remember when this film came out. So um, I actually went to see this at the cinema when it came out. And um, if I'm honest, that was the last time I saw it. So my um, memories of it might be a bit vague. 
And the reason we went to see it, um, I had gone away, I was visiting somewhere for the day or the weekend or whatever with my mum and it started to rain really heavily. Um, get out of the and rain. And we, we decided, to, and there was a little local cinema and we decided to, to go in there to get out of the rain. But because it was a, a small local cinema, they were only playing one film and that was My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And we both said, well, I don't really fancy this, but we went in and watched it um and quite enjoyed it i remember watching it and quite enjoying it um essentially it's a film about a woman who um is marrying a non-greek guy and um and I, I think i have seen it but i th- i think if i recall it's essentially sort of like the story of um of her sort of like reconnecting or connecting with her family and her sort of like roots and their traditions. Um, Hasn't it got one of the fellas from NSYNC in it? Fat one. Yeah, um, Joey, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, no, I don't. I don't know too much about Greek traditions. I don't know if they have like arranged marriages or something. I don't know why it's a big deal that she's marrying someone who's not Greek. Um, but that's essentially what's happening, and and it's it's the story of the the preparing for the wedding and all the sort of traditions and stuff like that i mean if it's a predominantly greek cast is it uh i think the main woman is but um, i don't know about the rest of you them. know and i'm sort of thinking if it's having that sort of um similar effect um or similar uh i don't know what the word is i'm looking for impact as crazy rich asians do you I think what I that mean? was it's it it was like the cultural impact yeah it's the it's the cultural impact and also you know it's rare to have a film that's not sort of like an all-american cast or mm. an all-british cast do you know what i mean um and i think that was possibly a big part of the appeal when it came out because it's not really very much different to any other yeah <laughs> of the films that are on this list, apart from sex and the city which is a stupid turd <laughs> And, you know, sorry to go back to Sex and the City, when I was sort of like talking earlier about these films all have a lot of things in common and most of them is just that they're, they're quite sweet and romantic, whereas Sex and the City was just filth. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I like I say, I saw My Big Fat Greek Wedding when it came out and I remember that we both came out of it and we were like, that was enjoyable. Um, but I don't have too much to say about it. What, quite why it's so far ahead of all the other films on the list. I remember when we looked at this list of, and we got this list and for the most part I was shocked. The I, Those top three films in my head, I can't quite get around why they're above Pretty no. Woman. I'm not saying that Pretty Woman is the number one rom-com. It's the one I think most people would think of. But in my mind, because it's one of my favourite rom-coms, I can't... I can't see why the other three are so far ahead of it. I mean, it. I think it's literally, I say, Will Smith for Hitch and mm. Mel Gibson for What We Want. That was like during his heyday where... Because mm. that, I can imagine, was like the sort of middle-aged woman, the ones that probably go to the cinema during the day. They probably went and saw it a good few times. Mm. Whereas the other films, like Pretty Woman, back in the 80s, did people really go to the cinema that much, if that makes sense? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I was surprised that that was at number one. Um, so there we have it. That's your top 15 grossing rom-coms. I, for me personally, there was a lot of surprises in there. Yeah, I was surprised by a lot of it. Um, surprised by a lot of stuff that didn't make it as well. Like none of like my top five, none of it made mm. it. 
which I was surprised by Crazy Stupid Love because I would have thought that would have made a lot because it's quite recent and having the big cast. Yeah, maybe. But like you say, there's so many that are kind of like churned out. I do think some of them get lost. But you could say that about the horror genre as well. Um, Sort of like straight to uh, video type films. But I I still stand by my um, statement from before that it's a genre that gets poo-pooed. I think it's the one that's the most poo-pooed. And I... I don't think it's fair because I think there are as many good films within the genre as they are as there are in other genres. And the fact that some, you know, quite a few of the films that we were talking about had Oscar nominations and Oscar mm. wins. I mean, didn't uh, as good as it gets. Yeah, I think Jack Nicholson that. won for that. Um, you know, and so you know, there's something. something Jerry Maguire's not on that list as well, which that no, I would have thought would be I a d- rom com. I did. Um, I have seen other lists where it's more sort of as a, as opposed to gro- top grossing, yeah. whereas it's like popular. And I did see Jerry Maguire on quite a lot of lists, um, but also Crazy Stupid Lover on the same list. So mm. that's more down, I think, to people voting for them. Yeah. But also, I guess it depends on when when the polls are done and what age group are voting for the films um, yeah. when they do these ones in magazines. But anyway, so that's the top fifteen films and our top fives. Um, Next. Step into the Kex Files. I can't remember what you bought for your Kex File. Shall I go first then? Yeah. So my Kex File was Fever Pitch. Oh, yeah, interesting one. Yeah. So Nick Hornby novel turned into a film starring Colin Firth, who's obviously popped up on this podcast already. So this is a film that is one that, not so that I wanted to watch, but was on my radar, because obviously football plays a heavy part in this film. Um, so it sort of intrigued me in that sense. It also has Mark Strong in it. Which is quite weird because this film is like mid-90s, I think. And Mark Strong was bald then, so I don't know if Mark Strong has ever had hair. Um, so this is... What I quite liked about this... So it, you've got Colin Firth's character who is a teacher. He's one of those teachers that kids like because he doesn't really talk about his lessons. Like He spends most of his lessons talking about Arsenal. And he's like a massive Arsenal fan. Football's like his life. We have flashbacks where we see why football's his life and basically his dad who didn't live with him. He lived abroad with his new family. Every time he'd come over, he'd take him to the see Arsenal play. And that's sort of where his love of the game became. Um, and a new teacher moves in is in the classroom next door. Mm. And she comes in to complain because his, his class are being rowdy. And he's just like, I'll get on with it. And it then cuts to him talking to Mark Strong, who's his best friend. And he's saying like, oh, she's just such a bore. Da, da, da. And he's just like, "With so when are you going to sleep with her then? And then her talking to her flatmate about, Colin Firth's character like oh he's so unkempt he's got really long hair he's, he's like a football out she's like you're going to have sex with him you know that don't you and both of the friends are very aware that this relationship's going to happen and mm. they're both like no like, I hate him I, like, I don't like her it's never going to happen and like the two girls she's like well if you have sex with him in, on my carpet you've got to buy me a new carpet and it obviously it transpires that they do actually get together and it's very much a sort of t- tug of war between Arsenal and her and that's sort of how it's sort of written so this he's an Arsenal fan and this is set during the 1989 season where Arsenal won the league for the first time in like 40 years or something so football was even stronger in his life because Arsenal were doing well he's used to Arsenal being shit and not winning anything and she just can't get the whole football thing and also during the seasons when Hillsborough happened which I don't know if you're aware of Hillsborough not being a football fan so that's where there was. An... I fucking know what Hillsborough is. <laughs> Jesus. You looked Christ. at me a bit funny. So obviously, a lot ninety six people lost their life at a football ground, and that coincides with 
her going to her first football match with him like the day before and she's like well obviously you're not going to the football anymore and he's like well of course I'm going to the football like this doesn't change anything and they sort of that's their sort of impasse where they split up and it's like but then she finds out she's pregnant and it's his and there's that whole sort of he then suddenly becomes like oh I need to get a better job I need to provide and it's actually quite nice it's very much set in its era so it's set in the 80s and it's made in the 90s and you can tell that it's got that era around it Mm. like you wouldn't mistake it like Colin Firth really straight he's got like stubble he's got like quite long he looks a bit like Alan Davis Mm. like the long curly hair and it's just like weird to because you're used to him being like suited clean shaven in most of the things he's in but I can't remember the woman's name who's in it but like a nice sort of chemistry between them I mean the main thing is I think the better relationships are between the two friends so Colin Firth and Mark Strong and her and her friend I just think they sort of sell the film a bit better but thoroughly enjoyable about an hour 40 mm. um, but you know just not a like blockbuster like a solid 3 out of 5 probably wouldn't watch it again for a few years but Jen watched it she didn't hate it as well so Kex well done um, so I picked up I picked up quite a few um, films when we went to Kex um, I picked up uh, one with Mel Streep and one with Diane Lane and ones that I thought you know it might be a bit more highbrow shall we say but there was one that I picked out and I decided to have it as my Kex file because I thought it had a, quite a good cast but I'd never heard of it before it's called Thanks for Sharing I um, think I've heard of that um, it had that sort of like typical like like you can kind of like if you look you know you go to a shop and you see the the dvds or blu-rays a horribly photoshopped on. cover no like the spines you can sort of tell what the rom-coms are you know and they put like, they put in so a lot of them we found were in pink boxes yeah. weren't they or red boxes or they sort of like use a certain sort of you know like color, curly coloring on the, like on the spine lots of pink um, and anyway, so thanks for sharing. Has got a pink and blue spine, and I, as soon as I saw it, I just thought, "Well, that's that's got rom com written all over it." Um, so thanks for sharing is a film about a group of sex addicts. <laughs> um, Romance all over it. Yeah. Um, so you've got the these main characters. You've got Tim Robbins, who kind of like um, it's, it's like Alcoholics Anonymous, but it's I guess Sex Anonymous. Tim Robbins kind of like runs the the group, um, and he looks after. Um, I can't remember the the proper names for them. It's not spon, like he's the sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mark Ruffalo. Um, so Tim Robbins is Mark Ruffalo's sponsor, and then in turn, Mark Ruffalo is Josh Gad's sponsor. So these are the three that we meet from the get-go. You don't know too much about Tim Robbins' situation and why he's there, but he's almost kind of like leading the group. Um, Mark Ruffalo's character, um, we find out later in the film when he sort of like discusses his problem, is that um, he watches a lot of porn and sleeps with some prostitutes. Uh, Okay. Um, and he, like, his character really beats himself up and sort of really wants to sort of, like, punish himself for his sort of, like, behaviour, and he's been sort of, like, seven years sober. So they kind of have this rule in the, um... So when they go to the meetings and stuff, essentially what they these people are saying, they have these, um, chips for, like, a certain amount of days, you know, 
sex free so they 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 i think they aim for no masturbation um and no sort of casual sex um so no no sex or masturbation unless you're in a relationship with someone right, okay um so that's what mark ruffalo is aiming for so i think he's been something like seven years sober um and then you've got josh gad's character who is there um under sort of like police order because he's been rubbing himself up against women on the subway <laughs> lovable um, character um and so it's it starts off a bit strange because you find yourself sort of like you've got mark ruffalo's character who's really punishing himself for his behavior which seems he masturbates and sleeps with prostitutes and you're thinking, well, I'm thinking to myself, is that that unusual? I don't know many guys who sleep with prostitutes or admit to it, but wanking? Um, like, okay, does that make yeah. him a sex addict? I, I just couldn't get my head around why he's sort of like punishing himself so badly. And then the character that you're almost kind of like geared up to root for, or the one that you're encouraged to root for, is Josh Gad's character, who... He's a sex pest, essentially. Yeah, he's a sex pest. So he's been rubbing himself up against women on the subway, but then he's also, like, filming up his boss's... He works in a hospital. He works in an ER. And he's... um, It's always been his dream to be a doctor. And he ends up losing his job because he films up his boss's skirt. (laughs) So he's doing stuff like that. And he's there because he's got to be there. Um, But he's the character that you kind of, like... They kind of make out to be the good guy. But actually, he's the... He's the sexual predator, if you like. But then, um, and essentially, and it's about these three guys. The film is about them, sort of like rebuilding their relationships with their families. And in uh, Mark Ruffalo's case, he gets a girlfriend, played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, and it's a, you know, she says she can't be with him because he's an addict. But it turns out, that in her own way, she's a different kind of addict. She's obsessed with exercise and eating um or not eating as the case may be so in their own way they've both got these issues do you mm. know what i mean but the character that um that i was most impressed by was uh pink is actually in this film so one of the reasons i i got the film but she's credited with her real name which is alicia moore um did not know that was her name i knew it was alicia i didn't know it was alicia moore but anyway so she's in it which is quite she's like the only female in the group as well and she's there because she um, um, she says the only way she can relate to men is through sex. And she's just lost her best friend because she slept with her best friend's husband. Um, and her current boyfriend uh, tr- treats her really badly. So he'll like call her up out of the blue and be like, or, you know, this guy she's been seeing, he's just like, hey, come round. And she's just like, I just want to go around there and I want to have sex with him. And um, Josh Gad's character, he kind of takes her under his wing. They kind of like help each other out. And he's saying to her, what would happen if you did that? She'd be like, oh, I'd leave there and I'd be so upset and depressed. And then what would happen? Oh, I'd go to my drug dealer, you know. And so she's in this vicious cycle Mm. of sleeping with this shitty ex and then doing drugs. Do you know what I mean? So she needs to get out of this cycle. But she seemed to be like the only like genuine character. And she seemed to, you know, I'm thinking to myself... Well, she's a singer. Like, acting isn't her, like, main job. And she's up against these three actors. But she seemed to be the one that I believed the most. Yeah. Um, like, she wasn't sort of, like, trying too hard. Whereas the guys, I just couldn't really get behind. And, alt- and, and the one character, Mark Ruffalo's character, that you're kind of... 
you kind of like driven to to um believe is the bad guy i just couldn't see what he'd done that was so yeah. wrong you know i was just kind of like he just seems like a guy um but ultimately i mean i quite enjoyed the film mm. if i'm honest um i i i did enjoy it um but the two key elements that the film was missing was um it wasn't romantic and it wasn't funny so um (laughs) (coughs) for me um i mean watching josh gad press his fat belly up against someone's bottom on the subway that's not romantic or funny um and watching the incredible hulk wanking over um porn in a hotel room i don't know it's not really doing it for me um maybe if it was actually the hulk yeah maybe then then the comedy element yeah. would be there um but yeah i did no comedic i didn't see there was any comedy elements no, in it does film. sound very classed as a rom-com um um, a romantic drama would probably be more um more the better um genre for it but even so i think a story about sex addicts is not romantic no um but having said that it was an okay watch i thought decent and worth watching for pink because i actually think she's the best thing in it has she done anything else acting wise um let's have a look because it was a real fad a little while ago wasn't it with like Actually, like Christina Aguilera, I think, has done one or two films. Obviously, Timberlake's done a few now. Um, Britney had that ill-fated attempt. Not really. She's been in films sort of like singing, um, and she's done voiceovers. She was a voice in Happy Feet, but no, it doesn't look like it. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Kex Files all done. Kex Files closed for another week. Sweet. No more rom-coms. Thank um, Christ. I've actually, I've actually quite enjoyed... Uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I no. would say that this is the topic when it came out of the hat that has filled me with the most dread. Mm. But no, I actually, like you say, you remember that there are actually good films out there. Mm. So the thing that really struck me was just how bloody long most of them are because yeah. I just assumed they're all 90-minute jobbies and I'd get through it, but um, that was not the case. Not the case. Um, tell her... Tell us what we're going to be doing for the month of October. So, obviously, the next podcast after <laughs> this is going to be October. And as it's probably come across through the podcast, Sonia and I quite enjoy a horror film. So mm. we're going to be dedicating October to horror. So what we're thinking of doing... Because it's Halloween. Oh, and obviously Halloween's coming, including Halloween, the new film. So what we're looking to do is we're going to do... Where we do, obviously, we do a podcast, but it's two podcasts for you guys. We're going to be doing each individual podcast is going to be like a horror icon. So you're probably looking at getting a Halloween podcast, as in Michael Myers, a Child's Play podcast, a Jason Voorhees podcast, a Hellraiser podcast, a Nightmare on Elm Street podcast, and then like another one where we'll just sort of mop up all the other ones, but they're like the big key ones so for me michael myers is my absolute favorite maybe we could come up with like a sort of like horror dream team yeah yeah so another episode that would just be a bit more random a bit more so if what we're probably looking for from your guys is who are your favorite boogeymen from the horror world so i mean like jeepers creepers is another one that i enjoy but Mm. i wouldn't put him up there in the top line 
We did consider Saw, but we feel like that's something that could still be done any time in the year because it's not like horror, horror. It's mm. obviously it's like gore rather than anything else. Yeah. So it's just we're looking for like proper like horror icons or like your horror icons, the ones that you not so find scary because I don't know that I find Jason scary, but I just enjoy the films. Like, I'm gonna say Michael Myers is my favourite, and who doesn't love Chucky, a doll that kills people? He's a little dude. He's such a lovable little scamp. Have you seen they're doing a reboot? Yep. And it looks fucking wank. They're also doing a series, but with all the originals. Hmm. With because the new reboot hasn't been confirmed that Brad DeRiff is doing the voice, and if he's not doing the voice, it ain't fucking Chucky. No. Um. So yeah, so we have got a lot of horror films to watch because there are, I believe, seven Child's Plays, 11 Jason slash Fridays, the new Halloween is number 11, there are seven Nightmare on Elm Streets. Uh, obviously how, if you... how far are we going to go with Hellraiser? <laughs> so I, I, we've already spoken about this for Hellraiser. <laughs> there are about three hundred and fifty-seven of them, but for and the most, three hundred and fifty-five of them are shit. <laughs> yeah. So for the most part, after three, they stopped. Yeah. What they started doing was they were finding scripts that were decent and throwing Pinhead at them. Whereas mm. one, two, and three are actually like Hellraiser films that were written to be Hellraiser films. So we'll just be covering the main trilogy for Hellraiser. I mean, I don't know how in-depth we'll get with each individual Halloween film or Jason film, but we'll definitely cover maybe like the top kills and stuff like that. But despite the fact we might not sound it because it is currently very late on a Sunday evening, we are both very excited about... About Halloween month. About Halloween month. And for the Kex file, what we're going to do is just get 50p horror films, if possible, in some way related to the topic of the week. So... If we're covering Child's Play, we'll try and find something else that's got like a dull or something in it. If it's a Michael Myers film, if it's a Halloween film, we'll look for someone that's like a stalkery killer like Michael Myers. If we're watching Nightmare, we'll talk a, try and find someone who's a bit Freddy Kruegery, although there is no one who's like Freddy Krueger. No. He, he is a one-off. Mm. What a scamp. Um, so yeah, so we want you guys to get in touch with us with your favourite horror films, your horror icons, the boogeymen that you enjoy that scare you or you just enjoy watching kill people in fun and inventive ways. Mm. And you can do that with us via email at theatricalcut at gmail.com. Can you talk to people on Instagram other than comments? Can you like DM? Yeah. Oh yeah, so we are Theatrical Cut Pod on Instagram. Um, and then I am Prefax on Instagram and on Twitter and Sonia is Mallory underscore watches on Instagram and has fucked off Twitter. Yeah, can't be asked with it. Um, and then the mother pod, um, who, well, by the time this comes out, it would have been long gone. They've done their searching questions this week, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Um, but that episode will be definitely ready for you to listen to by the time this comes out. Um, but they are TMTOOH on the Instagram and 2MTOOH on the twitter they're mm. also on facebook as well if you they want to are. get in touch uh via that um thank you for listening as ever terry it's been a pleasure as always i can't wait to purify my soul of rom-coms with utter horror it seems like the only way yeah good good times ahead yeah defo <laughs> we're not sure what order they'll come out at. we haven't decided on running order but yeah you're just going to be getting horror for the next what three sets of podcasts the next six podcasts amazing yeah it's going to be a fun time for all yeah. all done son yeah all done mike drop <laughs>